Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Pastor Duke podcast. Thanks for tuning me in. I pray God will use this podcast to bring you some information that you need. I hope it will bring you encouragement for what perhaps we are facing. Just remember, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Title of my thoughts today are this, what do we do now? My wife just listened to an interview with Dr. David Jeremiah, who wrote a book by this title, What Do We Do Now? I did not hear the interview. I did not read the book, but I would recommend it. Almost everything he does is really, really good. Here are my thoughts on what to do now from the Word of God and from uh, watching how God has worked through history. We are living in unprecedented days in American history. Many of us are feeling what Job said, what he feared. He said, quote, that which I feared has happened unto me. But that was within the boundaries of God's allowance. Hold on to that. These are the days our forefathers warned us would come. Domestic enemies from within, to use their phraseology. It's why they wrote into our documents all the balance of power in our Constitution. It's why they wrote the Second Amendment, not the right to bear arms to shoot a garden pest, but to defend ourselves from a tyrannical government. Since COVID-19 bullied its way onto the world scene, we have watched government mandates lock us down, mask us up, shut down our business, shut down our churches, and now mandatory vaccines cleverly being enforced by mandates put upon businesses to be the uh, policing arm of the government, fining businesses for not uh, complying, not enforcing the public uh, government-approved mandates. You got to give the subtle ones, Satan, due credit for his cleverly packaged uh, entirety of the COVID mandates for your own good, for the good of others. You got to do this. And we graciously, yet nervously, complied with all the 2020 mandates, but began to feel Satan tightening his grip on this world. The economic collapse prophesied in James chapter 5 verses 1 through 3 seemed to have begun. Talk began from the World Economic Summit of a great economic reset, which brings shudders to the financial barons of the world, shudders up their spine. The global New World Order and totalitarian government of Revelation 13 and the Antichrist began to come into a whole new focus. The technology to pull it all off is now here. Uncertainty became the new foundation. We don't know became the answer to so many of our questions last year. Information, false information, continues to come in like a flood. Propaganda is 24-7 on the mainstream media, in my view. People are divided like never before. Insanity seems to be running our nation. Southern border in absolute chaos. Inflation sucking away our resources. Gas prices nearly doubled. Shutting down our pipeline and yet approving Russia's pipeline. Uh, last year, uh, putting our schools into a virtual reality this year, masking up our kids for school, people losing their jobs over refusing to 
receive the untested, unapproved vaccines for the COVID virus. Our president saying over and over and over again, I can't answer that question or I'll get into trouble. Who's he reporting to? Who's he going to get in trouble with? Who's running the asylum? We leave Americans behind in Afghanistan as we have never done before. Gave billions of dollars of sophisticated military equipment to our vowed enemies. We've been led into energy dependence once again, and it was done immediately and on purpose. Supply lines are breaking down. Grocery shelves are not full as they once were. Our enemies don't fear us. Our allies don't trust us. Human trafficking and drug trafficking are epidemic. If you disagree with the government prescribed agenda, you are censored. You are canceled. You are fired. And real talks are being had about internment camps for resistance to government mandates. Man, it sounds like Nazi Germany all over again. Congress is in good luck. The Supreme Court refuses to hear the case for voter fraud. Fraud is running much of our government. The CDC, the FBI, the Department of Justice, which I, I trusted up until recent days. The World Health Organization, can they be trusted? Look at the names running those asylums. You know, before we can answer the question, what do we do now? We need to be as the men of Issachar in days of old, who the Bible says, understood their times and knew what to do first we must understand our times then perhaps we can know what to do the first issue of understanding our time in my eschatological view we are living in the last days and the birth pains have begun the past 18 months have been one global blast after another you see, it's not all about America and our issues. It's a global issue, and Israel is the key. Jerusalem is the key city, not Beijing, not Moscow or Washington, D.C. We know from the prophetic picture, America is clearly not a major end times player in the prophetic alignment of the last day's nation. I believe that's what we are witnessing in our nation is exactly that, the waning of our former power militarily, economically, politically. You see, for Satan to gain control globally, he has to destroy America as we once knew it. I think that's happening. I would be happy to be wrong, but every day seems to be screaming our continual weakening as a nation. So divided, hate filling our society. God lifted up our nation in his time and for his purpose, he has the sovereign right to put down nations in his time and for his purpose. We saw him do so repeatedly as we read through the Old Testament with his chosen nation, Israel. Though God loved them and used them, he still held them accountable for their sin. He was patient. He sent prophets, which they mostly despised, seldom listened to, and most often killed them. God's heart was broken. But his holiness and his justice required chastening, and he was faithful to do so, but always keeping his covenant with Abraham and with David. That's what I believe is happening in our country now. The nation that forgets God shall be turned into hell. I believe we are reaping what we have sown. We've killed 63 million innocent babies, taking their tissue and made cosmetics and vaccines and 
putting it in our bodies to protect us from diseases. Shame on our godless society. Shame on our godless scientists, our godless doctors and politicians to put this all in order. We have declared Sodom to be our politically correct moral standard. I'd love to see and be a part of a godly national spiritual revival. But I see in 2 Thessalonians 2 a falling away, not a coming to Christ. So what do we do? I just want to hit just for a moment on the physical side because that's minor compared to what what shall we do on the spiritual side. On the physical side, I, I hear the words of Jesus, be ready. He was really using that in a spiritual sense. But I think there's a, a definite physical readiness that we need to have. My mom was born on a farm, and uh, when she was a little girl living through the days of the American Depression, they went out on the farm and spent the summers. The Depression didn't hit the farmers quite like it did the rest of the nation, especially in the cities. There was a self-reliance that the old-time people had. They grew their food in the in the summer and preserved their food in the late summer and fall and lived off of uh, their preparations. I would exhort people to be physically prepared, to be self-sufficient, not system-dependent. The breakdowns of supply lines have already begun. Have a backup system, a way to get watered, a way to keep warm, a way to have food. Maybe not all the food that we want when we want to have it, but live seasonally. That's just common sense. The world has lived that way pretty much forever until recent days. So on the physical side, be ready. Have some backup systems. Have a little food in reserve so that we won't be desperate when desperate times come. But on the spiritual side, which is far more important, what shall we do? Number one, when you don't know what to do, we clearly know what not to do. We are not called to vengeance. We are not called to violence, which we're being accused of, incidentally. Uh, domestic terrorists, because of our positions on uh, on the vaccines, many evangelicals are, are choosing not to get the vaccine. Our bodies are God's temple. Many of us have had COVID and we're physically prepared. We, we have the antibody, but the mandates are putting pressure on us like never before. We're called domestic terrorists now for uh, those of us who hold to the non-vax position. Number two, we are not held responsible before God to hold off the Antichrist and his new world order. We will not be deemed failures in our generation by our Lord for the sins and depravity of others in our generation who seem to be ushering in the devil's agenda. God's going to let it happen when it's the proper time. In Israel's demise and fall to Assyria in the time of Elijah, he got wore out in his resisting Ahab and Jezebel's depraved agenda. He conquered the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, but was pretty uh, wore out. And Jezebel declares war on him, and he tucks his tail and runs, winds up under a juniper tree, feeling sorry for himself, out all alone. But God reminded him there's still 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to Baal, and that's the way it is in our country. There's a lot of evil, but there's a lot of good people, a lot of great churches, a lot of Bible, a lot of prayer, a lot of people getting saved in America. Number three, I believe in the spirit of Elijah, we are called to be a voice of resistance. We stand up and we speak up for the life of the unborn. We speak out against sodomy and human trafficking. We challenge the new prophets of Baal, as he did 
the prophets of old. We are not called to silence and to bow to political correctness. We are to lift up our voices like a trumpet and show our generation their sin. Number four, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We pray on, we worship, pray, and praise our way through our troubled waters. We are called to be a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We are called to love our enemies and pray for those who despitefully use us. We are called to be bright and shining lights to those who are in this last day's darkness. Number five, we are to be ready to give answer to the hope that lies within us. We may be cast down and deplorable in their eyes, but we are not forsaken. Our spiritual enemies should see our good works and one day glorify our Father in the day of visitation. I love that phrase from Second uh, Peter, God will visit them. And if they've seen a pattern of good works, they see the hope that lies within us, they see that we live above the fray, they're going to want what we want. That's how I came to Christ. A 17-year-old girl sitting across from me in all my classes my senior year, she had something I needed. I didn't know at the time it was Jesus, but her persistent witness inviting me out to church, thank God she won. I came to Christ Number six, we go deeper into God's word. We go deeper into prayer and fellowship with God. We draw nigh to him. He draws nigh to us. He gives us wisdom on what to say and how to say it in that critical moments. He will give us spontaneous, supernatural wisdom on what to do in those most critical moments as he did the apostles of old in the early times of the church after they had beaten the apostles and forbade them to speak any longer in the name of Jesus. What did they do? They went on their way rejoicing, counted it a privilege to suffer for his namesake. That was what the Holy Spirit did in them, and he has the power to do the same in us. I assure you, I do not have a cavalier spirit. Oh, I'm not saying, oh, bring it on. I'm just saying that God is with me. If he allows me to be in a tight spot, I won't be facing it alone, and I can trust his spirit to give me strength I'd never have on my own. Number seven, we keep our hands to the plow no matter what. We stay on mission. We use the ugly circumstances of our hour to point people to the real answer to their problems. The real answer is Jesus, not a political revival or the putting down of a political system. What shall it profit a person to gain his political view and lose his own soul? Use the problems as our opportunities. When history has run its ugly, violent course, the only issue that will count in the end is what did we do with Jesus? Did we trust him as Savior? Did we serve him as Lord? Did we lean in on him in our hardest times as Job did, as David did before Goliath, as Daniel did uh, in the lion's den? Or will we kind of fall away and be... Uh, self-centered and have a pity party. Oh, we deserve better than that. Oh, no, Lord, lift us up above all the fray. Number eight, we've often quoted Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, 
but it's the last part of that verse that's gaining momentum for me, and I think the Church of Jesus Christ in these days, it says in the last part of that verse, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day of Christ approaching. We need church more than ever. We come together in his name. We lay aside the silliness and pettiness, and well, I don't like that song. Christian, grow up. Stop all the foolishness, all the pettiness. Band together with the church of Jesus Christ, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's show them we really are his disciples because we love one another. And as the darkness grows deeper into our culture, our lights can shine all the brighter. Think of all that this culture has had taken away from them. The woke culture, which I sort of despise, but think about it. Let's have pity upon them. They've not known, mostly they've not known the secure balance and love of a nuclear family. They've not grown up with extended family nearby and coming to all their life events. They know not the Lord Jesus. They have no biblical stories in their minds, no Bible songs in their hearts. They've been taught in our public schools. Their great-great-great-granddaddy was a monkey. They've been taught there is no absolute truth, and that is an absolute (laughs) no truth in their minds. Uh, They have been lied to by their government. Big Pharma, Silicon Valley, they've been taught that evil is good and good is evil. They've been taught by the Green is God movement that their world will be completely uninhabitable in 10 years. It was 12 when AOC said it's down to 10. Their country has been in a continuous state of war for 20 years leading up to the debacle which just happened recently in Afghanistan. They only know darkness. They only know lies, fraud, division, hate, violence. There is no redemption story that they're aware of. They're not aware that there's a Savior that came from Bethlehem's and to a cross and to a, a resurrection day. They don't know anything about that. Suicide is a leading cause of death in their generation. They're lost. They're angry. They're in despair. Don't hate them. Love them. Embrace them. Pray for them. Set an example for them. We are Christ's church. What a privilege that is. Let's show them the way, the way we live, that God's ways still work. Let's show them that we really are his disciples by how we love one another. Instead of worrying about the insecurities we face in the immediate vaccine mandates, inflation, supply line disruptions, let's look beyond the immediate uncertainties and look at all the certainties that we have as followers of Jesus. It is certain that Christ will return. It is certain that Antichrist New World Order will last only 42 months. It is certain that Satan will be Uh, bound in the bottomless pit. It is certain that heaven is our home. It is certain that Christ's kingdom will come and his will will be done. None of us knows how hard it might get in America for people of faith in these last days. Martyrdom has historically been a part of the story of Christ's church, a somber part of our history. It has been part of the church in communist countries and Islamic countries all through my lifetime. But we mostly tune that out because we're not facing that kind of persecution. Will it come to all that in North American churches 
to the point of internment camps, arrests, forbidding to speak in the name of Jesus. Our moral, biblical, Judeo moral values are now called hate speech. No one knows how far God will allow it to go before it's time for him to send his son to receive his bride unto himself. But we know God's grace has always been sufficient for the evil days that his people faced from generation to generation. We've not yet resisted unto blood, but that day may come. But you know, in eternity, there will be no greater honor than to have been one who gave their very lives as a martyr for the one who gave his life for us. There is a martyr's crown. The blood of the martyrs has always been the seed of the church. Will it come to that here? Well, I'm hoping not. But, you know, fear is not a fruit of the Spirit. Jesus was not fear-driven. Neither has his church been fear-driven. The media fans the flames of fear. The scriptures fan the flames of faith. I want to say that again. The media fans the flames of fear, but scriptures fan the flame of faith. We know evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, but we are not deceived. We are children of the light. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We know that we are more than conquerors through Christ who gave himself for us. Lift up your heads, Christians. Let not your heart be troubled. Be full of the promises that await us. Our leader rose from his grave and promises the same for all of us who love him. What an exciting time to be living in all of history. Not necessarily the easiest, but certainly an exciting time. We watch the evil one unfolding his agenda of globalism and totalitarianism. We know he hates Israel. He hates the church. We know he's the father of lies, a murderer from the beginning. We are not ignorant of his devices. We know what he is planning, and we can see pretty much how he's going to pull it all off. His technocracy is looming. He needs all of this technology to be able to surveil all the people, groups of the world. It's all here. But we keep an eye on the eastern sky. We listen for a trumpet to sound. His timing was perfect in his first advent, and it will be perfect in his second advent. Oh, what a day we live, Christian. Just let your love for God grow. Don't be fearful of what you see coming down the pike. Be aware. Listen to the news best you can. Get some alternate sources of news. Hang with people who are in the know. Be aware. Be fully aware. But don't let that distract you. Just rest in the love of God. Just go to bed at night singing that little song Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so he loves you he had a plan we're living in the last days thank God on the winning team if this podcast has been a blessing to you please share it with your friends uh, communicate with me let me know what's going on how uh, perhaps a topic that you would like me to podcast about Thanks so much for uh, being a part of uh, my ministry, for listening in. Pray it's a blessing. Just remember, Jesus loves you. So do I. Bye-bye for now. God bless. God bless.